I invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to the book of Ephesians. Today we'll be reading in chapter 4, and I'll begin in verse 7 and read through verse 16 this morning. We are in the series, Connected, My Life in the Church. What does it mean to be a part of the church of the living God? Today's message is entitled, Growing in Every Way Together. Growing in Every Way Together. And if you are physically able, I would ask if you would stand with me in honor and reverence of the reading of God's Word today. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. May God add his richest blessings to the reading of his word today. You may be seated. Holy Spirit, as the choir beautifully sang in a prayer, fall on us today. And I ask, Lord, that you would fill me in such a way that I would speak, Lord, or that you would speak through me and deliver unto us, Lord, a message that we would grow the body of Christ. In Christ's name, amen. The mighty one that conquered death, hell, and the grave, overcoming sin and Satan, and ascended into heaven, is also a generous giver of gifts. That is the Savior we serve, Jesus Christ. There is a saving grace and there is also a ministry grace. And he gives to his church for its success in doing the work that he's commissioned us to do. When he ascended on high, 
And He baptized us with the Holy Spirit. He gave gifts to His church to equip us for the ministry and that we would have the ability to attain unity, to attain more knowledge of Him, our Savior, the King of all kings, and to be mature, a mature body of Christ. Christ Jesus, beloved, has not left us, His church, unequipped or ill-equipped, that we would fail to grow up in every way. But together we are equipped and are to be using our gifts and also equipping others. If you look at 1 Kings chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 13 through 18. We read the story of the preparation for the building of the temple. It is called Solomon's Temple. I believe that Solomon's temple is the greatest temple that's ever been on the face of this earth. I don't believe there's ever been a building to stand against the glory of Solomon's temple. Not only in its beauty, but in the glory that filled the temple, God's presence. But it is called Solomon's temple. We call it that because he was prepared and commissioned to build the temple where God said His presence would always be with His people. He oversaw it. He directed it. He, he put the tools and the necessary resources in the hands of the workers, moving it towards completion. However, even though we call it Solomon's temple, to complete such a task took many, many people with different skill sets, strengths. I just read this to just give you a glimpse. You can read about Solomon building not only his house, but the temple in 1 Kings 5, chapter 5 through chapter 8. But I read just a few verses in verse 13. King Solomon drafted forced labor out of all Israel, and the draft numbered 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. They would be a month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the draft. Solomon also had 70,000 burden bearers, 80,000 stone cutters in the hill country. And besides Solomon's 3,300 chief officers who were over the work, who had charged the people who carried on the work. At the king's command, they quarried out great costly stones in order to lay the foundations of the house with dressed stones. So Solomon's builders and Haram's builders and the men of Gibal did the cutting and prepared the timber and the stone to build the house. Yes, we call it Solomon's temple. But many men, and no doubt women, played a very important part in the work of the temple. 
You know, I I thought this is a picture of Christ building His church. And even here in Ephesians a couple of weeks ago, we saw where Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, refers to us as stones in the temple that Jesus Christ is building for His presence. You see, Christ gives unto us our needs to accomplish His redeeming task upon the earth. He strengthens us. He provides for us. He moves in our midst. He oversees. He directs His church. He's giving us the spiritual gifts needed. But it takes many people, saved believers from all around the world, doing their part with the tools or the gifts that Jesus Christ has given to us as believers. In Ephesians, he uses the word equip. He gave gifts to men. It says in verse 8 and then down in verse 12, it says to equip the saints. That word equip means to restore or to make complete. He gave gifts to equip that we would be complete in the church. Every true child of God, listen to me, Every true child of God has been given a spiritual gift or gifts. Not just talents. Sure, we all have strengths, talents, and those are to be given and used for the Lord as well. Resources at many different levels. But I speak not only of those things, but spiritual gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. Why are these gifts important? And why did Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, give gifts for the church? Well, we are not left to assume or to wonder because, again, Paul writes, one for the work of ministry. He gives us gifts. He puts tools in our hands for the work of ministry. Not only to the church and inside these walls, but around the world, around our state, in our city. He gives us gifts for the work of ministry. Also for building up the body of Christ, for growing, attaining unity of the faith. Beloved, in in all church life, there are times where problems arise. Even problems with good things like growth, there are decisions that need to be made. Did you know there's an answer provided for every problem the church has if we would just yield to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to work through us with the spiritual gifts? There is a solution to every problem we face in the church if we would just be used to the Holy Spirit. Attaining the unity of the faith knowledge of Christ in His fullness, growing in every way. And I believe that means physical numbers. Now, I know we can't get hung up on numbers, and numbers can't be our motivation. But I want to say this, numbers are important. Numbers are important. We see that even, we see that all throughout Scripture, and we even see it in the book of Acts. They counted. Somebody did a head count on those saved when Peter preached. We got the number in the book of Acts. The Spirit said we need to get a count of how many people called upon Jesus Christ today. 
So physical numbers are important. We do want to see physical growth. It is important that people passing by see your vehicle there. It is important to people here that they see your body in the pew. And that those bodies are added unto us through the work of the ministry. But also growth mentally and emotionally, growing up and also spiritually into a mature and complete church. These are reasons why God gives gifts, spiritual gifts, to His church. To equip us, to build us up, to attain the unity of the faith, to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ together, to do the work He's commissioned us to do. And He lovingly and powerfully provides every tool that we need to succeed in the work He's given us to do. I think we know that mentally, but I wonder how many times we really believe that in our hearts. The first time that trouble comes, some people ditch. They don't believe that. But every problem, every heartache, every trial, God, through Jesus Christ, to the presence of the Holy Spirit, provides us with every tool necessary for success. And especially in the work that He's given us to do. He does not leave us unequipped or ill-equipped in any way. And why? Because He does not want us to be, nor should we be, spiritual children forever. But we need to be growing in our faith. Are you at the same place you were last year spiritually? Five years ago spiritually? Ten years ago spiritually? Were you sleeping through sermons ten years ago? Are you still sleeping through sermons? He doesn't want us to be spiritual children forever. He wants us to grow in the faith. Grow in our understanding of Jesus Christ. Grow in unity of the church. Grow in our ministry and bringing fruit from our lives. Secondly, He doesn't want us tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. Every new fad, every new church fad, every new book. Oh, this is the way. This is going to solve all of our problems. This guy has found the answer, or this gal. Every new fad, he doesn't want us tossed around like that. Every new fad of human design and then of craftiness being carried away from the church. He doesn't want things of this world to carry us away from the body of Christ. There has been a mass exodus in American churches over the last decades. A lot of it is a doctrine, it's a fad. It's a lie that says, I can have as a meaningful Christian life without the church as I can with. And that goes against all New Testament teachings. It's a fad, it's a lie, and it's drawn people away from the church. God doesn't want that. So He equips us and gives us gifts. He doesn't want us deceived by the schemes of Satan and the worldly system. 
but also he wants us to speak truth in love that we might grow in every way into the head of the body, Jesus Christ, and grow in every way together. He wants us to grow in our biblical understanding of worship. I don't know if most of us really grasp the true fullness of worship, of what worship is. And I say that because I have failed in it at times. Too many people still think worship is for them. Worship is for God. It's not for me. It is for God. We need to understand in our biblical uh, understanding of fellowship. And that means when I say fellowship, when we say fellowship, I mean more than gathering in the fellowship hall. But I mean fellowshipping with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only inside these walls, but outside these walls. Sending cards, making calls, getting a cup of coffee whatever it might be, but also in our biblical service growing and how we are serving the community and the world and each other. Also in our discipleship and biblical education. We are to grow in every way and we're to do it together. Because God's gifted you differently than me and me differently than you. And we all need each other working together, God working through us in our gifts for the strength of the church. And every person, every member of the body must function, playing their part. Or what happens? It harms the body. The body suffers. The local church suffers. And it stunts its growth. And it keeps local bodies or the church from maturing into manhood. And so we see that every member of the church must, if it's going to grow, allow God to use His gifts through their lives. You must surrender your life to the Lord. God, use me. God, use my life as a channel of blessing. It also means that we must be equipped. We must allow ourselves to be equipped to come to church to do Bible study together and at home, to do other things that the church provides to grow in in our being equipped for the work of the ministry. Not thinking, you know, I do my thing and I know what I do and I've got it figured out. That will stunt the growth of a body. I've been doing it this way 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You have ceased to allow yourself to be greater equipped when you have that attitude. But also to equip others for the growth of the church. I want to ask you, beloved, who have you helped equip this week for the ministry? Is there someone you're discipling? Are you allowing yourself to be equipped more and more? And this is a continuing cycle in the church. 
being used by God in our gifts, being equipped and equipping others. And the cycle is to go on and on for the growth of the church. Beloved, this is connected church life. This is what it's supposed to look like when we're a member of the church. But also, it's evidence that we've been saved. This, what I'm talking about, what Paul wrote about, what God has delivered to us through the Holy Spirit, is evidence that we've been saved. You might say, yeah, but I walked down the aisle when I was nine. Fine, but there's no fruit from it. But the preacher led me in a sinner's prayer when I was twelve. Great, but there's no evidence of it. This is evidence that we're saved. This is biblical church life. We're being used by God through the gifts He's given us. We're being equipped at all times, and we are equipping others for the well-being of the church. Now some don't work in and through the church, and I wrote down some reasons. And we could probably go through some more, but I wrote down three why some people don't serve in the church. They merely go to a church service. Here's three reasons I want you to think about and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. One is they're only claiming to be Christians. They're not true Christians. There is no spiritual gift there being worked through them because there's no Holy Spirit in their soul. They only claim to be Christians. They're not true Christians. There's no evidence of their true, there's no fruit from their lives. There's no service flowing from it. But they're not saved at all. Secondly, this is a huge problem in the American church today. It started decades ago, and it has, it has really laid a number on the American church, and we're seeing the effects of it now. And that's because there's too many consumer Christians. Too many consumer-minded Christians. You treat the church like you do Belk or J.C. Penney. Is there a sale going on? Do I like their product? Are the people nice to me? Consumer Christians. They only go to church services that they like. How often have I heard, you know, about music? I like this band or I like this singer. That's why we go to this church. Really? Where do you find that biblically in the New Testament that that should be any prerequisite for being a part of a church? You find it and show it to me, and I'll kiss you right on the mouth. (laughs) Too much consumer Christianity. I could get away easier with some people from teaching a false doctrine Because there's been times I've done it out of ignorance. And people say, that's a great sermon, but boy, you let some, you change the service in some way that they don't like, and I hear about it. 
That's consumer Christianity, beloved. That's consumer Christianity. You would rather swallow heretical teaching and preaching than have anything changed to the service. That's consumer Christianity. That's why some people never get used by God in the work and ministry of the church. They only go to church. They're not being the church. Thirdly, why some people are never used in the church in their spiritual gifts is because they're childlike Christians. Now, that means they're immature in their faith. They're concerned only about their needs and wants. When a baby has a full diaper, it's crying, right? We change the diaper. When it needs milk, we give the baby milk. That's why some people aren't used by God in spiritual gifts, because they're childlike Christians. Now I want to say something. For some people, that's okay. They're new Christians. But, beloved, if you've been a Christian for many years, it's time to get off the bottle and change your own diaper. Yes, at some point we're all baby Christians, and that's okay, but we can't stay there. I heard uh, two teachers speaking the other day at a ball game. And zero in with me, if you will. I was sitting there, and we were in another county, and I heard two teachers speaking that day, and they were frustrated. And we, we've had, we have several educators in here, and good ones, by the way. Some retired, and they were good ones. And these two teachers were frustrated about teachers that just put in their hours. They're not really committed to what's best for the children and to growing them in their education. And one of the teachers used this word, and it just really stuck. She said, it's unethical to just get a check but not truly be concerned about the child's well-being and growth. She said, it's unethical. And you know what? I'd agree with her. We would say the same thing about someone that we hire to fight fires that didn't care about fighting fires. It's unethical. But then I thought, why aren't people that upset or that passionate about the work we do here in the church? To say that God has redeemed someone through His sacrifice, His blood, and then poured His Spirit into their life, given them spiritual gifts, given them resources, and they don't serve. And they don't care. In this eternal, life-changing work of the church, I would call that unethical as well. For some who say, you know what? I did my time in the church. It's time for somebody else to step up. Let me tell you something, beloved. That's unethical. And it's not biblical. 
It goes against all that what true salvation and being a member of the body of Christ is taught and stands for. It's unethical. For us to just sit and say, let somebody else do it. Let somebody else give. D.L. Moody made this statement back in the 19th century. I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And that which I can do by the grace of God, I will do. I'm going to, I'm going to say that in short. So I'm going to ask all of us, will, will you just repeat these words after me? And I'll do it short. I am only one. But I am one. I cannot do everything. But I can do something. And that which I can do. By the grace of God. I will do. Beloved, this is what it means to be a member of the church. It's what we were saved for. And we work together for the glory of God and the well-being of the body of Christ, the church. Together, we grow in every way together. And I want to say, I've preached hard today, and I don't make any excuses for it or any apologies for what I've said. None. I think I've preached everything as biblically as, as I could today. And the sheep are not offended by the voice of the shepherd. But I do want to say thank you for all that so many of you do each week, whether it's seen or not seen, for the ministry of the church. You are a blessing to watch, to see you grow and mature. And how many of you give of your time and your talents and your spiritual gifts and your prayers, your money, your encouragement, and your love for each other. I, I tell you, I preach hard here, but, but I love pastoring Westside Baptist Church. You all are a blessing. And I just want to say keep going and, and keep doing. And may the strength of the Holy Spirit continue to give you power and direction for changing lives out there or leading them to the one that can change their lives, Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you. And to all of us, I would say, be equipped. Get equipped. And then equip others for the work of the Lord. And surrender your life to be used by God in your spiritual gift. But to all of us today, this is what it means to be a member of the church, connected, to grow in every way, together. Beloved, will you grow with us? Will you grow with us? Will you be a part of leading souls to Jesus Christ? Will you encourage the saints? Will you support? Will you love? Will you give?
whatever the Holy Spirit and however the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today, would you surrender your all? Maybe that means salvation for you, that you need to call upon Jesus Christ. Maybe that means to come to the altar and rededicate your life or where you are. Maybe that means it's time to quit going to church and to be the church. And maybe it means coming into the fellowship of this local church as a Christian. Maybe it means following through with baptism. I don't know what decision you have, but all of us have a decision here today to surrender our lives to God and be used by Him greatly in the body of Christ. And may we all grow into adult manhood together and to the head of the body, our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ.